0: Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 164, and we are recording on Monday, October 30th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi,
1: Kendra. How are you on this Halloween Eve? (laughs) Uh, Doing all right. Uh, I have been herding corgis today, so that's been exciting. Herding corgis indoors or out of doors? Um, indoors. Indoors. They uh, don't like it when I have recording days. So they want to be part of it. So Dylan got in trouble and had to be, be put in another room with Gwen Lian, and he did not like that. And he told me so. <laughs> How is your Monday going? Yes. Oh, it's
0: a, it's a Monday for sure. Right before we I hopped on to record, I looked at the clock and realized I forgot to feed the cats their dinner. I was a half hour late. Um, I am just how dare Yeah, just the the worst cat mother. But when I was clanging the bowls and the canned food around, Deanie came scampering out of the office where I usually record and I'm like, "Oh, yep, he wouldn't have been able to stay in there, so it was a nice way to get him out of my recording space because Yeah, if I left him in here, he would absolutely have thoughts that he would need to share with everyone.
1: (laughs) You know, I feel like maybe one day, if we ever leave, we at least know that our fur children will continue the podcast in our stead. Yes,
0: Dini will give you all of his thoughts about the leaves outside of the window that he guards us from every year. Doesn't matter what season, he is looking out the window sniffing and meowing, and it leaves on the windowsill. Is not paying attention to any of the animals outside, but you know, leaves, he's on it. He can bring Gilbert on as a guest host. Gilbert can tell you all about the medicine that we've had to give him the last few days. He's not happy, <laughs> except one of the medications, they're both liquid, but one of them is chicken-flavored, and he's very confused when we give it to him because we have to scruff him to inject the liquid into his mouth, but it's chicken flavored, so it's tasty. So he, he every time we give it to him, he just looks so fundamentally confused about <laughs> what is happening. He's like, you just jammed a syringe into my mouth, but I don't hate you. And he just freezes in place like on the bed or the couch, and he just glares at us like, I don't know what you just did to me, and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> The other one we know for sure he doesn't like, but the the chicken-flavored one for his allergies, he's, like, very, very confused, so.
1: Oh, boy. Our pets, I tell you. They're the best part of us, honestly. Yep.
0: Sometimes they are. (laughs) (laughs) So have you had a chance to get any reading done in between all of your bouts of
1: uh, corgi herding? Yes, yes. I... Finish the, one of the books I'm talking about today, but I'm also currently about halfway through And Then She Fell by Alicia Elliott, which is like a horror uh, novel about mental illness, like postpartum depression and mental illness, written by a Native woman. And the protagonist, Alice, has a lot of Alice in Wonderland vibes, which, you know, is center of my wheelhouse. But like trees start showing her their memories, and Pocahontas on the Disney like DVD cover starts talking to her. It's a whole thing. It's wonderful, and it's also just so deeply impactful. I think the writing on mental health is just so excellent. I've had the tear, I've teared up and had to set it aside already once. So that's always a good sign.
0: Where do you like you 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 discover the most interesting books? Like I have never heard of this one. Where did you hear about it?
1: I heard about it. I think probably from Aaron and Danny of Aaron and Danny's Book Club, which is now called the Indigenous Reading Circle. I follow both of them on Instagram, and Aaron, I think she might have posted a while back. I don't know. It's been on my list for a while, but I'm just assuming that's where I heard about it from. This is so interesting. Yeah, no that's that sounds that sounds
0: awesome. Most of my reading has been for the podcast, and other than that, I've got. A couple of books checked out that I haven't, um, had a chance to dive into, but yeah, last week was just kind of a week and, um, any mental energy that I had after work has, which has been the case for months and months now has just gone to the absolute most like mundane, useless tasks that you can possibly think of. And I've been playing a lot of spider solitaire on my phone. So. I just have not been able to break into that reading mindset. And as a side note, if anyone listening has any any suggestions of how you get yourselves out of a major reading slump, hit me up on social media and let me know, because I've been dealing with this slump on and off for pretty much since the beginning of the pandemic for better or worse. Bonus points if the strategy works well for neurodivergent people, because I think that's a big part of what I'm dealing with. But anyway, yeah, have not had a whole lot of time to or energy to devote to reading, but one of the books that I'm going to be talking about, I did start listening to it on audiobook, and it's been a really, really good one for me to listen to while, let's see, I cooked dinner while I was listening to it. I've been driving to work listening to it, and I think On Saturday, we were having some people over and my husband and I did like a speed clean of the apartment in the afternoon. So I did a lot of listening to that while I was like vacuuming and putting away laundry and stuff. So I was very happy to have that to keep me entertained. But before we jump into the episode, I know we've talked about the Book Riot's TBR service, but there's a fun new update to TBR. Would you care to tell us about it, it, Kendra?
1: Yes, yes, I would. So, uh, you've heard us talk about mytbr.co. You've heard us talk about the bibliologist. I was used to be a bibliologist, but now a new update has come, and that is paperbacks. That is right readers. We now have paperbacks for mytbr.co. So whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, or maybe you're on a budget, or maybe you just like paperbacks because you annotate them, that's why I use paperbacks when I do, or all of the above, you can now get a paperback subscription from TBR curated for you. Again, by one of the bibliologists, you fill out your form, you can be as specific as you like, or you can say expand my horizons, or I won't want, you know, all the stuff I'm used to. A, you tailor the service for yourself essentially, and then you are assigned a bibliologist that matches your interests, and then they pick books for you. So you can gift TBR for the holidays. There's also a just a straight digital version. So you just get the recommendations, and that is worldwide. And then the physical books are available in the United States. And yeah, it's a wonderful service. I've bought it as a gift before, would recommend. So that's mytbr.co. All right. Well,
0: before we jump in, let's go ahead and take a pause uh, for our first sponsor.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my Today's episode is brought to you by The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by K.T. Hoffman. The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant Rivals to Lovers debut romance. Gene Yonescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is until Luis Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Jean and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, Publishers of The Prospects by Katie Hoffman, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> All right. So if
0: you are new to the show, welcome. As always, we are delighted to have our new listeners. And if you are a longtime listener of the show, welcome back. We have not scared you off. You continue to listen to us every two weeks, and that makes us so very happy. So as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and just about everything that falls under that mysterious and suspenseful umbrella. So the things that we cover on the podcast can range from awards to movie adaptations to mystery and suspense subgenres read alikes for your favorite authors just anything that is considered mysterious or suspenseful is probably fair game for us to talk about and chances are we have talked about it on the show before so if you have listened to us before you know that this is the point in the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for upcoming show suggestions. We really do use these to help us plan out what we want to talk about for future episodes. It's a great way for us to figure out what we want to talk about when we are just like have no ideas coming. We will pop into our email to see if anyone has suggested a great idea. We really do use these. And it's also a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. And we can also expand our own reading horizons at the same time. So win-win all around. So if you have any ideas or show suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all that information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about getting it down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing while you listen. And even if you don't have an idea, just want to say hi. That is also awesome. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoy the show, hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us. And this week or these last couple of weeks have been fairly light on the news front, which is often the case when the year starts, starts winding down, aren't as many big books publishing are coming out. And with the Hollywood strike, there hasn't been as much news around adaptations and all of that stuff. So let's go ahead, jump in and do this. I know you're going to be, you're all going to be listening to this episode after Halloween, but since it is Halloween week, we want to keep those kind of spooky vibes going. And we're talking about vampires this episode. We are. It is Vampire Week. Vampire Week. And so... Since I think, yeah, you were—I was going to say—you were the one who came up with this Kendra, because I know I—I I remember it was not me. <laughs> Tell me,
1: what made you think of vampires? What do you like about vampires? So I became interested in vampires with an author called Amelia Atwater-Rhodes, I believe, and she published books back in the '90s. And then a little book called Twilight was published. No one else was reading it. And so I found it at the library because it was available. Cause again, no one was reading it, got it on audio, loved it, went and bought my own copy. It was a whole thing. And then it became popular later. But ever since I feel like a lot of us millennials have had, even if we don't want to admit it, a certain affection in our hearts for vampires, even though we all know Twilight has its struggles, but So for me, that affection manifests more in my best friend who is obsessed with vampire books, just obsessed. And so for the In Real Life Book Club, she chose a vampire book, and that kind of inspired me to read more vampire books. So here we are.
0: (laughs) I did have a Twilight phase. It was very short-lived. And it happened right before the last book was published. I got into it right before then because I remember going to a midnight release with my friends. We were, I think we had just finished our first year of college. So I was a little on the older side for it. And that probably explains why the interest dissipated fairly quickly. Although before that, before Twilight, I was a middle schooler reading Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. And that book, I loved it. I, I had a mass market paperback version of that book and I read it to pieces. I watched the movie. It was hysterical. Oh my gosh, it, it, it was so silly. But I just remember being captivated by that book. Now, I will say, reg- I even though I do like all things dark and demented and whatnot. I've never had much of an affinity for your typical monsters in books or movies. So, like vampires, werewolves, and zombies, like they've never really, with the exception of Interview with the Vampire or Twilight, I've never felt drawn to those types of stories the way I'm drawn to, you know, psychological suspense or serial killers or haunted houses. Like, They just have never, beyond those isolated series, they've never really captured my interest. So when you said vampires, I was like, all right, this is going to be interesting. (laughs) But I know that one of the titles, and I don't know... If this is one that you've read in a book club or whatever, but one of the, your first title is one that I did have on my radar when it came out, even though I'm like mm, vampires, I don't know, but I am excited to hear about your f- first pick. So why, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and kick us off?
1: All right. So I'm going to start with actually the second one I have listed here. Do that first. Um, throwing me off. I am. I am. I'm going rogue. Um. <laughs> um. So, Fangs. I wanted to get the fun one, like a funny one, out since we are in kind of, you know, that mood at the moment. So, Fangs is a graphic novel by Sarah Anderson, who is actually Sarah's scribbles. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, this is a cute little graphic novel. You get it, it's a red cloth bound book and the cover and illustration is embossed in black. It is just so wonderful. It's about a vampire named Elsie and she then falls in love with a charming werewolf named Jimmy. And it's just all the cute fun things that they run into with their two different vibes that they have going on right now. So it's basically the goth girl and the Golden Retriever. Have you heard how every relationship It's like a goth girl and a golden retriever.
0: No, but that is explaining a lot of things about my marriage.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think that originally kind of manifested in the queer spaces where every queer relationship is some sort of soft goth and golden retriever, I think is how it was explained to me. I am definitely a soft goth. I wear a lot of black. and In fact, because I have a very strict medical diet, I often can't eat outside of my house. And so, I don't eat food. I only come out at night, and I wear a lot of black. (laughs) So, uh, I have been referred to as a vampire before. Uh, Anyway, I just thought this book is really cute. We're going into gift-giving season. This is an adorable book, perfect for the soft goth in your life. And... I think it's just so cute and fun. I think that's something that we all need right now. Some of us brain power is not exactly going the best. It me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's adorable. And I love Sarah's Scribbles. You can't go wrong.
0: Yes. As soon as you said Sarah's Scribbles, I went, oh, okay. Okay. You've <laughs> sold me. I'm pretty sure I have a copy of Adulthood is a Myth. On my bookshelf somewhere. I'm pretty sure my husband bought me that for like Christmas one year or something. He was just like, I feel like you could relate to this. Yeah, no, that sounds delightful. And funny enough, even though you switched the order on me, I was like, oh, I am very excited to hear about this one now.
1: <laughs> well, I thought it would be great for folks like maybe who aren't that into vampires or maybe it's just not their vibe. But this really, I think, bridges the gap for a lot of people because it is so fun. And Sarah Scribbles is the best. (laughs) And that is "Thanks" by Sarah Anderson, also known as Sarah Scribbles. All right. Well, that actually
0: is a fairly decent uh, segue into my first pick, which is also I wouldn't say on the silly side, but it is definitely on the lighter side. And it is considered a mystery series. But is I'd say it's definitely more on the Twilight end of the spectrum. If you combine Twilight and Interview with the Vampire, you would get the Sookie Stackhouse series. So the first book is that I started, I listened to the first book in the series, Dead Until Dark by Charlene Harris. And this series has been around for over 20 years. I think it was published in like 2001. And if you're not super familiar with it, these books form the basis for the TV adaptation, True Blood. And despite one of my best friends, please, I have never seen an episode of True Blood. She has seen all of them, and she will give you her thoughts on them. But I was a Sookie Stackhouse newbie. I knew the basics of the story, and... So I started listening to the audiobook last week, and I went in with a little bit of skepticism, I have to admit, because, you know, it's not usually my cup of tea. This type of story that combines, even though it has a mystery at the heart, and this is considered like a mystery series, it's got fantasy, it's got strong romance elements to it, and I was just like, well, I don't know. I have found it quite charming. (laughs) Now, I will say before I jump into just a quick overview of the plot, a couple of things. One, it takes place in Louisiana, in the Deep South, and it was published in the early 2000s. There are some, let's say, word choices or language choices that would not fly nowadays. It's nothing that is central to the plot they're usually they're just quick references but yeah there are definitely some wording choices or character reactions to certain things that i'm just like oh okay yeah i don't know about that so go into that just kind of being aware that you may come across these little moments that you're like oh that's not a great way to phrase that and the other thing i wanted to mention is that i will put a trigger warning on this one for the main character describing sexual abuse that she experienced when she was a child to me it kind of came out of nowhere i was just kind of like like it was briefly hinted at but and then she just kind of starts talking about it, and i'm like well that is not the direction i was expecting that to go in so it took me by surprise i figured it would be good for you know just to let people know but anyway So Sookie Stackhouse is the main character. She is a waitress in the small Louisiana town of Bonton. She is, she's 25 years old. She's quiet, does not date, does not get out much. And the main reason for that is because she has the ability to read people's minds. And she said it's very distracting to date someone when you can read their mind and know exactly what they are thinking about you. And it makes her brain very chaotic. And she just prefers not to deal with that. Until one evening, a vampire walks into the bar. And this takes place in this universe. Vampires are a are legally recognized as. Well, people isn't the right word, but they're legally recognized as beings in the United States. And so people are aware that they exist. There are vampire bars. There's this synthetic blood that's manufactured that the vampires can drink, even though it tastes terrible, but they can drink that instead of killing humans. And so they're kind of like, for the last couple of years, they've kind of uh, been integrating into society. So in Suki's bar, uh, a vampire named Bill Compton walks in and she cannot read his mind. And automatically she's like, this is awesome. This is the first time I've ever interacted with someone where... I could not hear their thoughts. And through a, a series of events, they end up falling in love and having a relationship with each other. And so as they are introduced to each other and getting to know each other, there is a string of murders that happens in Bontang. It's people that Suki knows, has worked with, family members, and they all seem to be connected. And she eventually starts to feel like there is someone out there who is targeting her. All signs point to it not being a vampire, but maybe it is because there's this other group of vampires that's come in and so she's got to figure out what's going on. So that's the mystery at the heart of this and that's the reason why I picked it for our mystery and suspense podcast. However, the mystery is almost secondary to the rest of the events happening, which are, it's a lot of character building, um, other, just other events that kind of happen, even though they don't directly pertain to to the, the heart of the plot. There's a fair number of spicy scenes in fairly short succession. As I was listening to this, I'm like, boy, I am glad I have headphones in right now. But one of the things that I ended up not liking a ton about the Twilight series was I felt that Bella Swan was completely devoid of a personality. Sookie Stackhouse has a personality and it's quite charming. And the narrator has a fantastic deep Southern accent. And it just, she really conveys the character well. I think she's funny. I think she's got a fair amount of wit. She's equal parts self aware and intuitive and hopelessly naive. But it works really well. And yeah, I've enjoyed this book a lot more than I expected. So, Kendra, as someone who is more interested in vampires as a whole than I am, have you read any of the Sookie Stackhouse
1: books? I haven't read any of them. I definitely, after hearing you talk about them, I want to check them out. I do find it interesting because in Twilight, it's the reverse Like, Bella is the first person that Edward can't read her mind. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was interesting about vampires, the whole mind reading thing. I don't know. I just find that interesting how vampire lore changes over the course of time in our popular discourse, I guess. Oh, yeah. And there are definitely things that I'm like, okay,
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure Stephanie Meyer, before she wrote Twilight, I'm pretty sure she had read a couple of these books. And yeah, like I said, it has kind of the, I don't want to necessarily call it fluffiness, but it has kind of the lighter feel of Twilight. But it's also set in Louisiana, and there's some of that darker element to it that you find in Interview with the Vampire as well. And it's not nearly as lyrical or evocative as Interview with the Vampire. I mean, nothing is. But I think it kind of bridges both of those really well-known reference points, probably more on the Twilight side than Interview with the Vampire. But yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I anticipated. And so kind of getting out of my comfort zone has been very entertaining. So yeah, that is the Sookie Stackhouse series. And the first one is Dead Until Dark by Charlene Harris. All right, before we jump into our second picks, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our second sponsor. <laughs>
2: This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy I. Lin. Shue is a talented young musician who is orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Xui is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Sui further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increasingly. Increasingly more sus when he and Shui barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy I. Lynn for sponsoring this episode. All right, Kendra, take it away with what I thought
1: was going to be your first pick. <laughs> so my second pick is Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. And this is a fun book oh my goodness so we start the beginning of the story it is 1846 it is at the border of what is now texas and mexico and this young woman magdalena or nina as her family calls her she's we start out with her being i think she's around 10 at the time 10 or 11 and she and her best friend go running off looking at night for Silver. The only problem is that she is the daughter of the patron, so she's basically the daughter of the lord and lady of the house of the land and then her best friend Nestor is actually the son of like one of the the workers on the land. And so obviously a big class difference there. Anyway, they're hopelessly in love even as children. You can tell how that's going. They sneak out at night to try to get Silver so that one day Nestor can buy his own land and they can be together forever. You see where this is going? Well, being that this episode is vampires, all of a sudden, this creature comes out of the night and attacks Nina. It grabs her, drags her away, bites her neck, and Nestor is like, oh my word, she's dead. He grabs her, he runs back home, and he goes up to the house of Nina's parents, and... The mom scream, oh my goodness, my daughter is dead. And Nestor just gets out of there. He just starts running. His best friend's dead. His world is ended. And he just keeps running. And that's like the first chapter, right? All righty then. And you're like, what on earth is happening? Like, where is he going? Why is he going? Like, how is there a book if she's dead? She's not dead, obviously. There wouldn't be a book. But she doesn't know why he left. And she doesn't know why he hasn't returned. And that's part of the plot, so I don't want to like spoil all of this for you, but I think it's safe to say eventually they do come back into lives but each other's lives, but they don't know what these creatures are. And so part of almost the entire book is trying to figure out what these creatures are, where did they come from. You also have this war brewing, and a lot goes on. I found it really fascinating because this book is very character forward, but it also has a great sense of plot and setting. Um Great sense of place. I just really loved all of that. And there's so many things you want to learn about these vampires that you want to know. Like you're compelled to keep reading. So I feel like it also has a bit of mystery to where these horrific creatures came from. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I was, when I heard that she was writing a new book, I was like, okay, this will be interesting. And I don't know if her intent with her future books is to take on some of these well known tropes or subgenres, but I'm like, okay, we had like Gothic suspense with her first book, and now we've got vampires. I'm like, okay, you know, what what else does she have up her sleeve? But this is one that I am definitely going to pick up at some point, And I think she just has such interesting takes on these well-established genre tropes. And then she adds a historical nature to them that we haven't read before so yeah i think that one sounds really interesting
1: yes yes it is it was i mean i think i read it and just like i listened to the audiobook over the course just two days like it's that was really it was really mm-hmm. fast it was really fun and i would recommend and that is the vampires of el norte by isabel canyels and thank you all, all right you're so
0: much my- yeah. So my second pick, unfortunately, again, because this, the last couple of weeks have just been a drain, I did not get a chance to actually read it. So apologies, dear listeners. This really has not been my week for reading, but obviously I still want to talk about it because it captured my interest. And that is A People's History of the Vampire Uprising by Raymond A. Villarreal. And what intrigued me about this book is that it's structured in a way that reminded me of World War Z by Max Brooks. And again, I'm not usually a fan of zombie stories, but I loved World War Z. And it's told as an oral history. So it has the a one particular event or period of time is told from the perspectives of lots of different characters. Um, so you get kind of this multifaceted view. Um, And from what I can tell from reading reviews, it's you can't go in expecting that it's going to be that it's going to be the same as World War Z, that they're two very different creatures, so to speak. But the structure of it still just really intrigues me. So the story begins with the body of a young woman is found in a border town in Arizona. She's presumed to be an undocumented immigrant and her body walks out of the town morgue. And the CDC investigator who is called in to consult with the local police is looking at is this is a bizarre medical mystery until more bodies that are brought to the morgue with a some kind of mysterious disease that essentially solidifies the blood. And then these bodies, too, brought to the morgue and then disappear. So there's just a, an alarming increase in the number of people slash bodies that are succumbing to this illness and then disappearing. So you have these government groups, you have the CDC, the FBI, just the federal government coming to terms with what they're facing, which is essentially an epidemic of vampirism that's going to eventually take over the world. And then the rest of the story looks at these vampires basically not totally taking over society but they are all the things that you, that you think of when you think of like the typical vampire lore they're strong intelligent gorgeous sophisticated and they start you know you start seeing them in places of prominence in sports business entertainment all of these places and then one of them a charismatic businessman decides to do what none of them have done before and runs for political office. So it starts off as kind of like a medical mystery and ends up taking a more sociopolitical turn. And I think that is super interesting because when we talk about a lot of these vampire stories, whether it's Twilight, whether it's Interview with the Vampire, so many of these stories are focused on like individual vampires, their relationships with individual people. Yeah, maybe there's something like in Twilight with the, what are they called? The Bolturi in Italy, like, you know, kind of the vampire mafia or whatever. But this takes a much bigger view and starts looking at not just across the United States, but across the world. What happens when these charming, sophisticated, charismatic beings start? you know, really starting to take over a lot of big sections of society. And what happens when one of them takes over one of the biggest arenas, politics, and runs for political office? Like, I think that's a really interesting take on this idea of vampires and one that has not been done before. So yeah, I am still interested to read this one. And unfortunately, even though I I'm not able to give my personal take on it in this episode. I'm hopeful that it will at least encourage some of you to pick
1: it up. And I'm definitely going to recommend it to my friend who is obsessed with vampires. There
0: you go. Yeah, if your friend has read a ton of the more well-known vampire stories, this could be an interesting one for, for them to pull out of their back pocket. And again, that is A People's History of the Vampire Uprising by Raymond A. Villarreal.
1: Well, we did it. As that, always. Got yes. through it. Yes, and it's really cool that we have so many vampire books, and so you can read vampires all year round, not just around Halloween. Yes. And
0: since this is a mystery show, if any of you have any more mystery-centric vampire stories that you know of that you think would be good suggestions let us know
1: yes for sure um oh well, i guess it's time for new books
0: new books um i'm making you go first because you picked this one and i'm like
2: oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> um i feel like both of us are are definitely here for this one so my pick is the reformatory by tana nariv du and this is set in Gracetown, Florida, around 1950. And so 12-year-old Robbie is sentenced to six months at the Gracetown School for Boys Reformatory. Is this similar, do you think, to the Nickel Boys? That's exactly, it's, it, it's I was going
0: to say, it's a supernatural take on that story, but very much similar subject matter at the heart of it.
1: Yes, and I always think that Do is is able to take these historical moments or different parts of it and incorporate the supernatural. So Robbie can actually, and I'm really excited for it. I know it's going to be amazing. I know it's going to be deeply impactful and and brilliant as all of Do's work is. And uh, I just am so happy that we get, you know, I've her book and Jasmine Ward's book have just oh. arrived within like three days of each other. It is. A beautiful time to be alive, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, this one is probably going to end up on my desk tomorrow because I 100 percent put a hold on it right away when I was ordering <laughs> adult fiction for the library. I was like, oh, well, we're gonna order this one. We're gonna put it on hold for me.
1: Job perks, you know? Oh yes. here for it. <laughs> and so that is the reformatory by Tannery Dew. And what is your pick for new books coming out well
0: i was gonna say it's a tie-in to a book i talked about maybe a couple of months ago on the episode and it is blood betrayal by Osma zayana khan it's the second book in the blackwater falls series and i talked about the first one on a semi-recent episode so this is um uh, asma zayana khan has written other mystery novels before but this is her newest mystery series takes place in Blackwater Falls, Colorado, and as with all of her mystery novels, there is a deep, deep vein of social justice that, run, that runs through her stories. And so the situation at the heart of this book, there's a veteran police officer who is pursuing some local vandals, and he ends up firing his gun because he believes one of them has a gun on him, And he ends up killing a young black man. And the gun that he supposedly saw is actually just a bottle of spray paint. There was no gun on him at all. And then in Denver, there's a drug raid that goes south. And there's a Latino teenager who is killed in that. And so we have Detective Raman. And she is familiar with the person who killed Mateo. And she knows the police officer who killed Mateo is the son of a police officer who has been very antagonistic towards her. And he turns up on her doorstep saying, can you please help me prove that my son is innocent? So she and her boss are basically assisting the Denver police in figuring out what happened with these two cases. And it very much looks at, you know, was this a, you know, how do we perceive the victims of police violence because for the young black man who was killed he had no prior record he was just a street artist but to others he was a vandal mateo was either in the wrong place at the wrong time or he was a dangerous drug dealer but the question is was lethal force actually necessary in either one of these cases so yeah this is not going to be you know light reading you're going this is this is definitely going to be a very involved story about just all kinds of racial biases and prejudices and all kinds of stuff. And this author is a Book Riot favorite just across the board. So I was very excited to see that her second book was coming out so soon. So again, that is Blood Betrayal by Asma at Khan. It's the second book in the
1: Blackwater Falls series, and that is out on November 7th. I am so excited as cosine. <laughs> uh You know, it looks like we had new books that we both co-sign yes. so full endorsement folks of books to be fair we haven't read but are very excited for <laughs> <laughs> okay double um, the muppet arms <laughs> yes yes all of the muppet arms if we did fun little titles you know, we might do like fangs in all of muppet arms <laughs> i don't know we'll see what happens well friends that is our show Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to our wonderful new sound editor, Caitlin Brame. We really appreciate you coming on board and wish you all the best of luck. Uh, In editing
0: our (laughs) show. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) We appreciate your service. So listeners, for the show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at Dead at bookriot.com. So you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester, And you can find Katie on Twitter at KT Underscore library lady. Of course, those will be linked in the show notes. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye.